Welcome to Ginspired, brought to you by theginshop.ca. This podcast will take you on a journey into the world of gin, where you'll experience this versatile spirit in ways you never thought possible. Now the host of Ginspired, Heather E. Wilson. Hello and welcome to Ginspired, where we talk about and celebrate everything about the wonderful juniper lace spirit called gin. On today's episode, I'm super excited to welcome Nicolas Duvernois, founder of Romeo's Gin and Pure Vodka. Today, we'll be talking about how Nicholas got started in the spirits industry and the story behind Romeo's Gin and so much more. Welcome, Nick. Thank you so much. I'm so pumped to talk about gin this early in the morning. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and But first... As with all episodes, let's start by sharing what we are drinking today. So, Nicholas, yeah. you get to go first. What are you drinking? So, I'm drinking a special cocktail named Basil Park. It's made by a bartender who was invented, let's say, a bartender that I really love uh, from uh, Montreal, uh, Fanny Gauthier. And it's actually, so it's uh, Romeo's gin. It's raspberry uh, syrup. It's basil from my garden. Super happy. Mm. It's a couple of dash of fresh uh, lemon juice. And then topped with sparkling water, I took Perrier lime. Mm. And it's just fresh, tasty, beautiful. It's a perfect morning, afternoon, midnight, <laughs> evening cocktail. So it's uh, it's a bit like Chinese buffet. It's a cocktail for everybody. Wow, that sounds and looks absolutely <laughs> delicious. So today, I'm actually drinking one out of our upcoming cookbook, Gin-inspired, called Spa Water Caesar. And it is made with Romeo's gin and something that is called tomato water instead of Clamato. And it actually uses tomatoes and you turn it into more of a water. So it's crystal clear, perfect for brunch or morning or pretty much any time. And the Romeo's gin goes so well with it because that little hint of cucumber, you know, Mm -hmm. a little bit of dill that just like so yummy in it. And it's lighter than a traditional Caesar and you can spice it up, you know, as much as you like. So, okay, let's get to know you a little bit more. And I know you have a pretty interesting and amazing story. So maybe you could give us a little overview of your entrepreneurial path. It was actually because of a lot of errors and a lot of uh, failure (laughs) that I started a vodka company. I did political science Mm -hmm. here in Montreal, in the University of Montreal. And as soon as I finished uh, university, I started my own business. I discovered that it was possible for me to be an entrepreneur in university. Like I knew it was possible, but I thought you had to be rich. I thought that your parents needed to have a a business and then you just took the business. I didn't know that with just one simple idea, you could uh, literally uh, build an empire. As soon as I discovered that it was a possibility for everybody, it's not the fastest. You don't have to be the fastest, the smartest, to have the best grades. You don't have to be rich or poor. You don't have to be nothing. You just have to start something, have an idea and build a business plan. And then when I finished university, I opened with three of my best friends. Well, I say I opened, I mostly closed it, but I opened it a restaurant. And you know what? If you close something, it means you opened it. So I think it was faster closing it than opening it. (laughs) It was a catastrophic experience. We were four. Okay. We knew nothing about the restaurant business. We only knew how to eat and drink for free. So that's a good business plan. 
And it was actually because of that failure that I discovered the popularity of vodka because mm. it was back in 2006. I was 25 years old. I had just met my now wife at the restaurant. We didn't close because we had no clients. We just closed because we didn't know what to do with it. So we had quite some clients and vodka was so popular. I said to myself, oh my God, instead of buying like a Polish vodka, a Russian vodka, I'm going to buy a Quebec-based vodka. Mm-hmm. And I knew nothing about the spirits industry. I knew nothing about vodka. I took vodka maybe four or five times in my life, like a shooter at 3 a.m. But I knew that the better the water, the better the vodka. So I said to myself, look, in Quebec, it's like the equivalent of Qatar for spring water. It's really an amazing resource here. And I said to myself, we do beer, we do cider, we create wines. For sure, there's vodka. 60% of a bottle of vodka is water. It's our main quality ingredient here in Quebec. So I went to ACQ and asked for a good Quebec-based vodka. After a bit of research, the the, the employee said there was none. And it's exactly at that moment, it's as if I saw Virgin Mary, okay? I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) I I just got the idea of the century. I'm going to be the first one. You want to be the first one. What's the name of the second guy who went on the moon? We don't know. We're the first guy. He's on a stamp. The first guy is on a stamp. I want to be on a stamp. (laughs) So I said to myself, oh my God, it's going to work for sure. But it was classic Nicola stuff. Always tons of ideas and doing 50% of all of them and doing 100% of none of them. So I said to myself in this store, Nick, calm down. It's an amazing idea, but you have a restaurant that you just opened that is already going nowhere. You have your three best friends that are becoming your three best enemies. And you just started a love story with Caroline. Nick, calm down. And for like a couple of hours, I really was proud of myself because <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, and let's be realistic here. I said to myself, oh my God, I listened to my inner peaceful, let's say mom advice, Nick, think before you act. But after a couple of hours, I'm like, fuck that. I'm going to start a vodka company. So that's how I decided to enter the spirits industry. So it took a couple of weeks for me to love saying to sell my shares of the restaurant. I sold nothing. I sold on paper, but the restaurant closed. So anything. It took a couple of weeks for me to like rearrange my, let's say, corporate life on that part. One day I went on Google and entered the word vodka. I pressed enter and that's how it started. It was way longer, way complicated than I thought. Because first of all, I had absolutely no money. I was a night janitor in a hospital. It was my student job that I kept during my restaurant experience. <laughs> I saw the day we opened that we wouldn't be open for long. And so it took, so during four years, my student job became my regular job. So I was a night janitor in a children's hospital here in Montreal at, at, during evenings and nights, depending on the shift. During those years, Caroline was a waitress. She took a couple of uh, other uh, jobs here and there to make sure that um, on one point, Every dollar that I was making by cleaning floors was going into building this business. And Caroline, every money that she was making from her waitress job was uh, for us to live. So that's how we build our love story and our corporate story in a little apartment for during uh, four good years. (laughs) Wow, that's awesome. So then where did Romeo's Gin come in? Actually, it's a crazy story, Pure Vodka, because here it's a state monopoly, a lot of uh, different provinces in Canada. And the first call of tender that was ready to enter, I entered it and they refused. 
So like I had no other choice to start to sell those bottles in other countries before corner of my street, the store there. So I sent a couple of bottles, different competition. And one of those competition, the World Vodka Masters, well, actually it was crazy because I remember it, it was yesterday. I was walking my dog whose name was Romeo. It took four years to, for us to be able to just send bottles, you know, to competition. Mm-hmm. I was still destroyed by the news that ACQ just rejected us. And the director of the competition called us and she said, are you ready to answer to journalists? I have an amazing news. Pure Vodka was named World's Best Vodka. So I was more close to being a millionaire in, in real money. Let's mm. be uh, frank here. I had nothing. I was a night janitor. I was depressed. It took like forever to just have one phone call and one person to say yes. And I'm in the back alley throwing the ball to my dog. I'm like in a ghetto neighborhood in Montreal. And next thing you know, like I start crying on the phone and it changed everything because two days later, the ACQ called back. They reevaluated our file. They ordered our first cases and we sold our first bottle in January 2010. And I right away wanted to do gin, but I had no money to do vodka. So even less to do a vodka and a gin. So right. it took five years in 2015 for us. Well, actually, we started working on the project. Uh, with Caroline and another person, Stefan, who's been with us for quite a while. We started in 2013 and it wasn't gin craze at that time. Like there was only like, uh, you know, beef eater, like the classic tank craze and stuff like that. So we took our time and we were the first spirit producers in the province of Quebec to launch a spirit, like Mm -hmm. for 50 years, 50 years back, there there was an industry. And then we were the third gin to, to launch. Mm. I think we're close to 150 gin now in the province. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot. So yeah. oh, it's crazy. So it took so it took five years for another five years before we launched our first product, uh, our first gin, uh, Romeo's. Okay. Let's talk about your bottles because I love, love, mm. love your bottles. Mm. The artwork is mind blowing. So where did that come from to no. put art on you, you, your bottles? Romeo's gin is not a gin with a cause. It's a cause with a gin. Mm. So I'm not a fan of products or companies that don't have a real reason behind. Look, or another more human reason behind than selling something. Right. And with Pure Vodka, so we're super active with everything that's about emerging entrepreneurs. It was super difficult for us. So, of course, it was natural for us to give back. And with Romeo's, it's really a love story for real. First of all, Romeo's, you you understood it. It's the name of my late dog, unfortunately, right. but it was really important for me and Caroline to, to have him immortalized, let's say. He was with me in the back alley when competition in, called me from London. He was with us at the poorest of the poorest, the lowest of the lowest. He was always happy. So he's more than important for me. He's totally part of the company and part of our lives, even if he's in paradise right now. So I remember it like it was yesterday. I always loved, I wanted to be an architect, but I didn't have the grades to be an architect, unfortunately. But I always loved interior design, design, art. But I was a young student, like night janitor. I had no money for that. And one day, it was a specific birthday of Caroline. I couldn't remember. It was the beginning of our relationship. And we went to to a restaurant. But just next to the restaurant, there was a gallery, an art gallery. And it was an amazing painting on that could face the, the street. And we saw it. The art gallery wasn't open, but it was beautifully light, you know. And circled in my head, I never bought a painting. I said to myself, Tomorrow I'm going to come back and buy the art piece and offer it to Caroline. And when you offer art, it's for life. So I went back the morning after to the art gallery. I think it's it's where I got my first heart attack. It was 3,000 bucks, the painting. (laughs) 3,000 was like, 
the equivalent of buying a Porsche for me, you know? So I was so depressed and I was pissed because once again, something that I love was impossible for me to reach at that moment. I'm a half and half. And my mom's from here and from Canada and my dad's from France, from Burgundy. And in Burgundy, I always remembered that, you know, great, let's say, between brackets, wines from Burgundy are super expensive. And the producers, they don't do it for the money, but the market took over and then boom, it's super expensive. And it cuts a, like 85% of the people from enjoying that, that great piece of art that is wine. It's the same thing for art. I, I, of course, I understand it must be a price because artists must live from their art. But I was sad. And that's where I decided to put, to approach every edition of Romeo's Gin with a different artist. So we showcase a different art piece on every edition of Romeo's Gin. And what's cool with that is that we don't just ask for the artist, uh, can we have the rights for your uh, art? No, we approach the artist. We buy the art at the market price, like the price he wants. It's 3,000 bucks. Okay, it's 3,000 bucks. It's 10,000 bucks. Okay, it's 10,000 bucks. So it's the first thing you can do for an artist is to, to buy his art. Second of all, we're building an amazing collection right now. And we're having plans of doing another museum because I'm going to come back with that. We opened an urban art museum in Montreal, the first one in Canada. But third of all, is that we do a lot of work with the artists when we launch the product to make sure that it's not Romeo's Gin that we launch, but it's Romeo's Gin, Sandra Chevrier edition, Jason Butkin edition, Miss Me edition. So it's super complex how we work. We pay every bottle that we sell a fee to the artists. Most of these of artists, it's the best year ever, which I'm super proud of because I have so many friends artists that cannot pay their rent, which is incredible in my eyes because they have a talent. It's just a different talent than someone else, you know, and it stays in the memory of everybody because it's not just, oh, it's a nice gin with a nice piece of art on it. It's a nice gin that was thought with art is mine and DNA. So it's really, really powerful. And the fact that it's like around 40 bucks, a bit everywhere in Canada, it was a bit for me, a way to say, look, you can have an art piece for 40 bucks now instead of 3000 It was a bit long for me to explain because it, there's really like a lot of story behind it. But I think mm. it's super important to have the, the, the privilege and the possibility to explain that we do way more and above because we're not a gin with a cause. We are a cause with a gin. And our cause is to democratize and put everywhere we can urban art from artists from here and from elsewhere also. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I know that I keep every single one of my bottles. Okay. So what then is your average day like? I wake up 5.30 every morning. I have three kids. So six, four, and one. So now it's uh, school is back. So but I do like the, that stuff uh, in the morning. I walk my uh, oldest one to school and then I walk to the office. I arrive at the office around 8.15. And then it's fireworks until maybe five. It's super important for me to have a maximum time at during the evenings at home. So most of the time I cut my day. So at five, I come back home and I do the crazy 5 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Uh, war yes, game I with my, my wife and, <laughs> and the three kids. By most of the time I work, but uh, I, I can work easily uh, next to my wife and we look at a documentary on or just a Netflix series. And um, most of the time at the end, she goes to bed. 
I go walk, listen to podcasts, call a couple of people that I know I can call around 10, 11, because I need my time to think. I'm very creative. I have a lot of ideas always. I have to distill them myself before explaining or just pitching them to my staff. And that I learned over the years to not stress my staff with, oh my God, Nick's coming and he's going to want to build the Eiffel Tower. (laughs) So I work a lot on my own ideas. And then I, of course, Caroline is always the first one to know. And then if I get a yes from her, okay, I I go to three people. And um, it's very different uh, every day because I do a lot of TV, a a lot of conferences. I write books. uh, I I have a column in a journal here for the past six, six years, every week. So I'm a lot in movement. I'm part of the French version of Dragon's Den. So it's going to be my fourth year this year filming it. And so I have a lot of businesses and and young entrepreneurs to help and to mentor and to... It's pretty crazy, but I need crazy. I need to be 110 miles per hour to keep my balance. You know, it's like when you ride a bike, if you don't go fast enough, you fall. I just love it, you know. And finally, I became an architect, but of my ideas... And I think I'm ultra privileged to have been able to go through the filter of 100,000 entrepreneurs that just want to have one chance to be able to have like a minimum of a salary for themselves from their company. And now we're like Canada's biggest independent producer, most sold gin with Romeo's Gin. We have amazing RTDs. Like I'm super, super privileged to have a team around me and I can't just not to want to work with that team around me. Well, I look forward to following your journey and seeing what new stuff comes out. Okay, so we always end all our calls with a super fun incident story from our guests. So I'm positive that you have multiple incident stories. So definitely let us, what's your fun incident story? There's two. There's one positive and one negative, but just to show you how important one mistake sometimes can be huge. So the first positive, it's a gin and tonic store. We were launching Romeo's and Pure Vodka in London, Great Britain, just to be able to sell a gin in Great Britain, even though it's from Holland, but it's just Oh my God, like I, I pinched myself like every single fraction of second I was there. Like I saw someone at Selfridges take a bottle of Romeo's gin, pay for it and leave. I'm like, oh my God, it's not my mom. Like like someone else bought like a bottle of someone they don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. So we entered a Mark and Spencer, which is a bit like, like uh, let's say Whole Food meets yeah. like Shopper Drug Mart. Yep. I saw at the end of the aisle, a fridge full of cool looking cans. So I went in 2017, I went to see what it was. The more I was approaching it, the more... Once again, I met Virgin Mary because I saw like a halo (laughs) around the fridge. She's like, we're buddies now. There was a halo around the fridge and it was a gin and tonic in a can. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. I could have said, oh my gin, but I said, Mm -hmm. oh my God. I turned around Stefan. I said, we're going to launch in April. So we were summer 2017. April 2018. It's impossible. But I love it when it's impossible because everybody stops at, oh, it's impossible. I won't do it. All right. If it's impossible, there's one dude who's going to do it. He's going to finish on a stamp. I want to be on a stamp. So I hope post uh, Canada post uh, listens. So <laughs> I turn around. Stefan, I said, we're going to launch in April. And Stefan, 
he has an amazing job within his job is to challenge me because I need my ideas to be destroyed multiple times by multiple people for myself to be convinced that no, this one, it's going to work. One day destroy it and I had nothing to say. Yeah. But he said, but we have no cannon lines. I'm like, you can buy that. We need to concentrate on our launch in a lot of countries. I'm like, we'll hire. But uh, we have no recipe. It's your job. Do it. So <laughs> he's like, okay, but not in April. I'm like, in April. He's like, no, 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 man. Like, it's impossible. I'm like, that's why we're going to make it happen. Everything we do in this company is impossible. I texted my wife. I'm like, and she's like, oh, how was your day? I'm like, it's amazing. Hey, by the way, we're launching a gin tonic in a can. She's like, oh, okay, great, amazing. Like, one day I'm going to, hey, I'm going to build a rocket. Uh, <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay, have a good day. We launched April 1st, 2018. Mm. It was Easter Sunday. Mm. I was with Caroline, Victoria, my oldest one, mm. and the second one that came after Charlotte in Central Park, eight in the morning. We had programmed well, on my Facebook, actually, but the companies also, but I, I, I do my own social media. So on my Facebook at eight, we announced that we launched a gin tonic and a can. In 2018, RT, like, you don't understand. In 2018, the RTD craze wasn't even begun. There was a couple of players. Wakla had existed, but it was a year after they exploded. The category was full of sugar, full of big cans. It was going nowhere. We decided to inspire ourselves from Red Bull. We put a premium, even ultra premium price. We had smaller cans, sleek cans, 250 ml. It's exploded. And today we sell millions and millions of cans every year because not only we were pioneers with that, our cans are beautiful because there's artists on them, but it's just that we respect so much the client and we decided to create amazing quality, natural, the lowest sugar possible cocktails in cans. And the client responded by a big yes by following us in that new category that we open. And today, like, I don't even have to talk about RTDs. It's like, I think keep, someone's going to live in an RTD can soon. It's crazy that the amount of products and the amount of buzz that's around that, those uh, products. And why we concentrate our launch in the States with our RTDs is because we actually uh, won a very prestigious uh, award at the WSWA convention couple of months ago, uh, they have like uh, brand battles and Romeo's gin. We entered Romeo, the gin battle and the RTD bottle. Romeo's gin won the public choice. We were happy, but we always want more. But Romeo's gin RTD won the judge's choice. So we were everywhere in the media and people are really waiting for our products. So that's why we are concentrating on our RTDs and we hope that it's going to open the market for our beautiful two products in bottles because it's really amazing products. Absolutely. Wow, that's that's quite a incident. And there you have it, the story behind Nick and his <laughs> career path, Romeo's gin, pure vodka, the artwork, and you know what? And my team. And the team. Like, team. I'm Absolutely. always, you know what? When you're an entrepreneur and, and, and like a public entrepreneur, let's say, it's always you, 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 and you. Huh? And you always talk about you because it's your story. But without Caroline, my kids, and my team, I'm not talking to you today. All right. Big shout out to the team. Yep. There we go. All right. Thank you so much, Nick, for being here today. I so appreciate it. 
And thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links to Pure Vodka and Romeo's Gin and all that stuff, as well as the ginshop.ca for all your gin clothing and novelty needs. And until next time, remember, smile, there's gin. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ginspired, brought to you by the ginshop.ca. If we've ginspired you, drop us a note heather at the ginshop.ca we may even read your email or feature your ginspirational story in an upcoming episode and remember to follow us on social media until next time let the party be gin